Dear Dimwitty, are you out there? Can you hear us? We hope you're doing okay. You've missed so much, Dimwitty. We need to catch you up on everything that's happened in DuckTales. We're here to recap and discuss each episode of DuckTales 2017 for the benefit of our close personal friend, Dimwitty Duck, who was last seen on October 12th, 2011 in the comic Dangerous Currency. If you're out there, Dimwitty, we're coming for you. Just hold on. Hello and welcome to Dear Dimwitty, a DuckTales recap podcast. I'm Monty. And I am Mahi. Oh my god, it's you. <laughs> oh my god, it's me. Oh my god, it's you. Um... <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah. Uh, god, I feel like, I always feel like we should be like starting out with like, you know, some like huge news segment, but the thing is that nothing happens. Um... No, in terms of, uh, I mean, outside of DuckTales, outside of DuckTales, outside of DuckTales, there may be a couple of things worth talking about, but um, yeah, yeah, um, within the realm some of things um, have happened. related content, yeah, a couple <laughs> things have happened. I don't know, you may have heard about them, you know, no. they're not duck related, so it doesn't really matter. I don't think so, yeah. Um, I mean, neither of us are American, so obviously, the most important yeah. thing that happened was, um was the supernatural homophobia. Apart yes. from that, <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> Apart from that, nothing happened. Um, there's no supernatural stars on DuckTales, is there? Surely not. No. Never. Okay, well, there's there's never been, been a ghost in DuckTales. <laughs> there has never, ever been a ghost in DuckTales, and especially <laughs> not in this episode. Especially not in this episode. <laughs> I mean, Supernatural's run for, like, 200 seasons. There's probably some crossover, like, some, some you know, bit part has probably been in both shows at some point. But um, neither of the, uh, neither of the, the, the people involved in the, uh, the most hilarious moment on television are in DuckTales, so there's not really any point in us talking about it. That's not what you come here for. Yeah, so the only the only kind of things that have been happening have been like Frank and Jonas posting um, gifts from Ducktales about uh, <laughs> about the election. About the, election. <laughs> um, the split sword of Swanson team came out, um, oh, and yes, Frank Ash- Frank actually used a uh, a still from from this episode from McMystery to to. Tease uh, mm-hmm. spoilers for Oh, and what a teaser that was! Oh, how well the Duke is back. The Duke is back. Uh, the Duke is indeed back. Um, Thank uh, God. We won't, we won't... <laughs> it's been so long. Um, obviously, we won't spoil uh, what actually happened in the episode, but it was really good. I really liked it. Um, my pipe dream did not come true. <laughs> no, <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> it was pipe... so unrealistic. <laughs> My pipe dream, by the way, was that Boyd and Goslin were going to be in this one. Um, didn't Spoilers, happen, they weren't, because Spoilers. nobody else thought they would be. <laughs> Spoilers, unfortunately, the, the um, long-running theory that Boyd and Goslin were going to be in the split sort of Swanson team did not come to fruition. Um, I know the many, many supporters of that theory were uh, greatly disappointed. <laughs> but... um. Uh, but no, it was a really good episode. Uh, very fun, really great. Like, uh, kind of like consistency, even after the like the huge like mid season 
bomb that was let's get dangerous it's good to see that like the the you know the stakes are keeping high and like everything's still moving um there hasn't really been like you know there hasn't really been any filler or anything in between um next episode might be but um i don't care because stalkers is going to be in it yes yes yeah so um uh, we did get a we, we did get a um a still from uh New Gods on the Block, which is the next episode that comes out, which is um uh interesting to me because it seems to be like um a, a shot of the kids with god powers probably um god and powers we have, classic, um... <laughs> we have the classic Huey has seems to have some kind of enhanced intelligence given the fact that he has been mega minded um, Huey's mega fucking Huey Huey's mega minded he's got the light bulbs shape head you know <laughs> um it's quite upsetting to look at honestly which is a um, bit of a a bit of a quack pack reference but it was it, it was huey and quack pack that had the yeah. mega huge brain um <laughs> yes um and and uh webby he's kind of floating and has glowing eyes uh louis has what i'm saying is midas touch because his hands are gold yeah dewey's um, sonic the hedgehog yeah, Dewey's like the hedgehog. Dewey is wearing some kind of shoes. I'm assuming that's a super speed thing, just because... It, he's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sense. He's Sonic the Hedgehog. He's Ben um, He's Sonic the Hedgehog. He's just he's Ben Schwartz. Of course he's going to be Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> of course he's Sonic the Hedgehog. Of course. He's Turbo. He's got to go fast. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, excited for that one. It's, I, um, so that's going to be the, the fun Stalkerless episode. Daisy's going to be in that one. That's going to be very fun. It's going to be very cute. I, do I love like Daisy. Daisy on screen together. The still so, of them holding hands is very cute. It's very cute. It is very cute. I think straight dogs are real. I think opinion. I think Donald being happy is always a nice thing to have. <laughs> He's had um, such a hard time. And he hasn't been around in, in season three uh, or in like the, the most recent episodes of season three very much. Like he wasn't in yeah. Let's Get Dangerous. He, he was a none. he was a bit in uh he was a bit in um the boss uh, in Bossovin. um yes, but he was bit. just kind of hanging out in the background. We haven't really had yeah. a I mean, Donald as a plot relevant character in quite a while. No, no, he hasn't been the central part of an episode for yeah. Since when when was he in the last Donald episode? Um, Shit, I don't know. Motivation. Quack Pack was his. Um, Quack Pack was his. Uh, would that be the last Donald episode in three and three? That's crazy. That's been so long. Perhaps. Um, Quack Pack. Um. Oh no, Louis eleven. Duh. Obviously. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And he was. A, and he was also a bit in the trickening. Um. Again, he wasn't. Like, oh, he was. The main he was so cute in the trickening. Okay. He yeah. Was so cute. So he has been around, but I would say, um, probably. I would say probably Quack Pack was like his episode the most out of those ones. Like Louis Eleven was also you know Louis episode um, and a few other people, but yeah. So gl- so really excited to see an episode that is going to be centering around um <laughs> around Storkily's jealousy. <laughs> Storkily's being insanely jealous of Daisy is. <laughs> oh, that something. is going to be really fun. It's something. So, it's something. Uh, so um, shall we so, get into yeah, our, our episode? Exciting. Yes, we should. We should. Um, so this episode was McMystery at McDuck McManor, which has uh, three times. McMystery at McDuck McManor. Uh, it has the illustrious um, the illustrious honor of having been performed as a live table read 
Um, it is a really, really good table read. If you haven't seen it, I would really recommend going and watching it. I did rewatch it um, uh, after watching the the proper episode today. It was really good. I laughed out loud many times during it. <laughs> um, so the table read is very funny. It's very cute. Um, I am astounded by the choice of McMystery to do a table read of, particularly very... with regards to Ben Schwartz. <laughs> Very, very funny one to do a table read of. Um, quite effective, I would say. Uh, it did shock me because I um, the, I was watching it and uh, I was thinking, that looks like Sam Regal, but it's not Sam Regal. And then I was like, oh, it is Sam Regal from Critical <laughs> Role. <laughs> um, he, yeah. he has like he like works on Ducktales. Like he's like uh he's like in the crew. Uh, I think he's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. couple of like I think he's like a hack or slash one of them. Yeah, um, it was very strange to like, and like I'm not a Critical Role fan by the way. I haven't like watched it, but I've seen um, I have seen their faces many many times. I've got friends who are into Critical Role, and mm-hmm. it was just very strange kind of seeing like this guy who like obviously is in things other than Critical Role. Like that is not his sole claim to fame. He is in like TV shows and stuff. It was very strange to see him sitting next to like David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this David Tennant in general general is like. Wow, my God! Um, he did very funny, um, very funny Glomgold imp- impression from David Tennant, also, <laughs> which did not sound like Glomgold. It was just Scrooge. I thought it was very funny. This is manic Scrooge. I really, really liked the general, jo- the genuine joy that Ben Schwartz had upon realizing that he could interrupt literally everybody else's lines by hitting a <laughs> button on the keyboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a lot. It was very good. The <laughs> just a very funny table read. Very like uh these actors like bounce off each other very well. Um mm. and uh yeah, really good, really good. Um yeah, yeah it, it brought to very, mind very, a, very highly recommend. It brought to mind an interview I watched, um, which was from before the pilot came out, and it was like a pre-pilot mm-hmm. thing, and it was like a f- and they got Dave, like, for some reason, Bobby Moynihan, like, kept getting out of these interviews. Like, there's a bunch of interviews with just David Tennant, Danny Pudi, and Ben Schwartz, and Bobby Moynihan just isn't there. <laughs> um, but it was David Tennant, um, Danny Pudi, and Ben Schwartz, and they were talking about, like, the recording process and stuff. And they were, <laughs> David Tennant was, like, shockingly, I don't record with them, I'm in another country. But uh, <laughs> they record they record everything separately. Um, yes. But Ben Schwartz was like, oh, yeah, no, me and uh, Danny Pudi have like recorded together at least once, but apparently they were goofing around, goofing around so much they got nothing done. <laughs> they were like, okay, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> that's incredible. It's very cute. Oh, um, I love that. That's very funny. You can really see how that might have happened uh, watching the Taylor yes. Reid. Uh, very entertaining, yes. especially uh, especially when. It's like Ben Schwartz, Danny Pudi, Bobby Moynihan, and Kate Micucci all in the middle, and yes. uh, talks and uh, and uh, David Tennant on either side, like disapproving parents, <laughs> <laughs> not engaging in his jokes while they're yeah. just messing around in the middle. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. Mm. A side note is that um, Toxalagundio make does like a really good Margot Martindale impression. That's the she other thing does. I that's really good at Mark Beagle. That was crazy. That was crazy. And that is the weird cognitive dis- dissonance of Ben Schwartz doing Mark Beaks. 
when we've yes. talked about how weird it is that he's not Mark Beeks because it's yeah. such a character archetype that Ben Schwartz <laughs> usually plays. Yeah. Very weird. And uh, and seeing Bobby Moynihan do, uh, do Oh Boy uh, live was... Uh, <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's just it's just very, very fun to see them kind of like... Um, uh like acting as well because they do like uh it's obviously just like them sitting down so they're not like you know mm-hmm. there's no like stage blocking or anything but they do like act off each other and there is like facial expressions and stuff there's a very cute little moment where um uh, uh sam regal who is narrating says that huey makes like a dramatic exit from like this curtained off alcove and danny pretty like does this flourish with his arm which is really cute <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very cute um it's, it's really a it's good. a it's it's a very very highly recommended watch. Um, mm-hmm. Very fun, um, but in the actual episode, the actual episode like is also very very good. It fills yes. in a lot of the gaps. I read. Um, what the first thing that I noticed about this episode, which is before even getting into it, was that I got kind of jump scared because, as we've established, I'm used to watching the old order. Mm-hmm. The old Order, episode 10, was the Spear of Selene. Oh. Yeah. Did that get moved earlier, did it? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So originally, episode 10 was the Spear of Selene, and McMystery and the Missing Links of Moorish Argent come until afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, which is insane. It's an insane thing to do. Um, yeah, that's a really bizarre <laughs> choice. So I remember Spear of Selene coming a lot earlier than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting, I think. That is really strange. Like, Spiracelline is such a like a perfect mid-season point, so it's very bizarre that they would just move it earlier for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. mm, that's really strange. <laughs> um, no, I I really like um McMystery here. It is like it is it, you know it's it's a it's a Huey episode after a Huey, a Huey episode, which is fine. Um, I'm not complaining about more Huey episodes. But it's not like it's kind of like the same story told again. Um, obviously, yeah. it's very different in terms of like, uh, in terms of themes, in terms of setting. This one is, uh, this is technically a bottle episode. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a locked, it's, it's like a locked like, room, uh, locked room it is, mystery. Yeah, it's which is always fun. Very literally a locked room mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is probably the first, the first like. It, it it there is a couple of like scene changes, but it's all within like the mansion's walls. So I would still call it a bottle episode. But I think this is probably the first that would that does that, um, which is quite interesting. So um, yeah. Anyway, we should <laughs> we've done a lot of talking around the episode. We should probably yeah. actually talk about it. Yeah, we should probably get in there. Um, <laughs> so we open on the mansion itself, and everybody's leaving. Beakley is bringing Webby to a training camp for fellow young psychopaths. Um, <laughs> and we see Donald sprint out the door and drive off and leave his children behind. One of the funniest things that Donald has ever done. Sprint, <laughs> sprint out the door, dive into the car, run it over the fountain and like, the, and like swerve off and leave his children just staring at the door. Donald is fucking out of here. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. Um, um. And uh, the, but the obviously the the biggest thing that we get here is uh, is Webby and Webby's training camp. Yes. So she says that she does this every year, which so presumably and because she does it with other young warriors, 
So presumably this has been Webby's only interaction with fellow children up to that up to the point that the boys moved in. Yes. It really says a lot about her as a person. <laughs> yeah, it does. That her only that her only uh, her only kind of framework for interacting with other children is uh trying to kill them in elaborate war games. Where have we seen that? Um, <laughs> also crossbows are bad, bow and arrow is good. Grenade is also yes. good. <laughs> Grenade is good. <laughs> you know, girl stuff. Yeah, so the kids are like, why is everybody leaving? And Beakley tells them and she goes, I guess you'd I guess you'd find out eventually. <laughs> like like they were just everyone like hoping. Is, everyone is like everyone is just throwing the boys to the dogs here. Like throwing them to the lions. Like, what the fuck? Whatever they're like trying to make sure that the that the kids get stuck with this situation. Um <laughs> but she tells them that it's Scrooge's birthday. And that's why everybody's clearing out. Um, that Scrooge hates his birthday. He, ha- he doesn't have a good one. And Huey's immediately like, no, he has to have a party. He has to have a birthday party. We have to make him a birthday party. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I can't believe that. I can't believe we didn't know it was his birthday. I feel so bad. Um, because that's what you're supposed to do when someone has a birthday. Exactly. Have a party. Exactly. Obviously. Obviously. And it's very fucked up not to do that. Um mm-hmm. And Beakley's like, no, bad idea. Um, there's a very cute interaction here, which is going to send me off on a huge fucking tangent if you let me talk about it. Um, Please do. Which is that Louis says that Scrooge is literally the only oldest person he knows. And Dewey mm-hmm. giggles. Um, I also wrote down the Dewey giggle. <laughs> Dewey's laugh here is so cute because it's like weirdly, it's ho- so it's, it's, it's weirdly hoarse. It's like this hoarse little <laughs> laugh. And it's also... Um, as such, such a nice little thing because it establishes like that Louis like the the funny one kind of you know mm-hmm. that he hangs around and he makes kind of like one liners and jokes usually at people's expense and that the that Dewey at least finds it funny and that kind of yes. sets up like you know his role in the triplets a little bit more solidly. But also, it shows that like it's what my. F- my single favorite thing in media, in storytelling, in char- in character interaction, is when characters laugh at each other. Because I love that. Putting inserting humor as an actual thing in the world, um, and not outside of the world. Like mm-hmm. with sitcoms, you can't imagine sitcom characters taken out of the sitcom situation. Because they would, they're constantly making one-liners and jokes that nobody else finds funny within the world, mm-hmm. because nobody fucking laughs, and they're constantly <laughs> addressing this audience, which is fine in a sitcom, but it means that you can never take those characters out of that context. Um, yeah. And if you try and imagine what those characters would exist like out of that context, it's like everybody in Friends fucking hates each other. <laughs> you know <laughs> they're constantly making jokes that nobody else ever picks up on yeah like, they're, they hate each other they hate each other nobody finds each other funny nobody thinks that <laughs> nobody thinks that Chandler's funny he's constantly to- it, said, they set him up as this funny guy and everybody fucking hates him <laughs> it really reframes like it's it's one of those things where like um there's like the videos of like taking the laugh track out of the big bang theory yeah and it really does just make everybody seem like like an insane Psychopaths. person because they're saying crazy. these like supposedly funny things and then leaving like this silence and nobody else laughs. Everyone is like, 
the, the reactions are kind of like like you know like standing around looking exasperated or like yeah. rolling their eyes when like obviously it's a sitcom yeah. this is how the characters are in universe reacting to the behavior of another character but when it's like <laughs> when when you speak entirely in one-liners and then nobody in universe laughs at you it does make everybody <laughs> seem like they want you to die yeah especially when they're they're like ugh, you know it's like yeah. okay these people are like too, these people like aren't spending time with each other willingly they're like doing mm-hmm. this for some kind of bet you know it's like you just can't <laughs> understand why any of these characters would want to spend time with each other and it makes it and it means that there's like it's very hard for audiences because outside of that sitcom format obviously the whole point of a sitcom is to laugh at jokes you're not interested in why the characters are spending time with each other Mm -hmm. but when you go out of that and when you go into like drama or anything like that you have to be invested in the relationships the characters have with each other and if it's not based on this positive interaction if it's not based on any believable reasons that the characters would spend time with each other generally writers tend to inject kind of manufactured tension and drama into relationships via betrayal sex for whatever reason (laughs) and you get all of these characters who seem to fucking hate each other's guts or just like not even hate each other because that would be interesting they just have absolutely no interest in each other as human beings, and then they go and have sex. And it's bizarre. And it mm-hmm. is all often kind of alienating in how like it kind of alienates you from the characters in how unrelate in that in how like they're not relatable. Because you're like, well, why the fuck are you spending time with him? <laughs> exactly. Like, and, so many shows are just like I I um have like a I I am not a huge fan of just like pure drama shows yeah Um, I do enjoy comedy but it's just because like a lot of the things like obviously not every show is like this but a lot of it is just like I just like it just seems to be people making each other miserable for the sake of it and it's like yeah why are you spending time with these people why are you doing this obviously obviously that is not the be all and end all obviously there is Mm. uh, there is you know plot there is reasons and there is like story behind these things but so much of my enjoyment of media is that i like seeing characters interacting with each other so when it's just like them making each other miserable yeah it's just like it completely loses me yeah and it's like this is why and i this was gonna happen from the moment that we started this podcast every episode Mm -hmm. this is why the next generation is my gold standard (laughs) Yes. for tv shows I feel it coming I <laughs> smell it on the wind you started this sentence and i was like oh i see it's star trek time <laughs> it's star trek time the thing is in time. the next generation and it's unique among a lot of star trek shows but like you get bits of it in other things um jonathan frakes who played Riker in next generation he's a director also you know kind of later on in his career and he directed quite a few episodes of discovery and the episodes that he directed of discovery have a lot of this um which is that the characters are constantly laughing at each other. And it's both like <sighs> laughing at genu- general jokes. There's a really good scene in like, um, in I think season one or two of Star Trek of Next Generation, where they go to, a, they go to Missandry Planet. <laughs> it's a fantastic episode. It's so funny. They go to the planet of Missandry <laughs> where women are in charge and they hate men and men are objectified. And it's really funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, he, and Riker goes down and he's the sexy man and he goes down with Deanna Troy and Tatiar and he has to have a have like an audience with um the like matriarch of uh of of the of the civilization or whatever so he has to wear the has to wear like the customary clothes from men and it's this like slutty little robe and he comes <laughs> out of the door in this like he's like tits on show dressed in like this tiny little robe and he looks like an asshole and <laughs> Deanna Troy and Tatia are losing their fucking minds laughing they're like clutching onto each other crying laughing and then they're like choking out you look really good <laughs> and he's just like fucking staring at them from the hallway it's such a funny scene it's such a cute scene um it's such a cute scene and then, like, as well as that, you get, like, a lot of, like, because the format of Next Generation is, like, episodic. So yeah. they're doing something, and then something, the plot happens. So they have, so they usually set up the start of the episode is, like, whatever they were doing before plot happened. So mm -hmm. there's, you get a very strong sense of what life is like in between plot. Um, in between, like, plot events or whatever. Like, the, the kind of routine missions that they go on. Um, what they do in their downtime and stuff. So you get a bunch of really cute stuff. Like they all play poker together. There's like a regular poker night with like some of the crew, but not all of the crew. Uh, just the ones who would like really get along playing poker. And then like there's a obviously a really famous scene where uh, in the, they both have a free day together, and uh, Data and Jordy, who are very close, uh, Jordy teaches Data how to paint to see if androids are capable of like um, creative expression. Yes, yes, yes. So, like, there's a lot of this really cute kind of stuff, and you get this really solid sense of this is why they care about each other. Because, obviously, mm -hmm. the structure of the Enterprise requires that they have to hang around with each other anyway, because they're all officers on board a starship. They have to be go on missions together or whatever. They, it's not like friends where, okay, why are they hanging out? It's like, okay, they have to, they have to work together. But in but they they've gone that extra mile to be like yeah okay and they actually enjoy hanging out with each other. These guys get drinks and turn forward. These guys play poker together. These guys have a really good time making fun of Riker. Like <laughs> <laughs> the perfect bonding activity, really. Yeah, really. Um, but it's this kind of stuff that makes you invested in their relationships as characters without kind of grittying it up or making it miserable by going yeah. this person betrayed this person and then had sex with them and then betrayed him again in the middle of having sex and it's all very okay so those are the only two ways that you know to introduce drama into a relationship <laughs> and, the, and it also means that after the plot has been resolved or after you finish the series you are no longer invested in that relationship because the extent of your investment in that relationship was, oh, but what if he finds out that she's betrayed him? What if yeah, he finds exactly. out that, that? What if he finds out that he's having sex with someone else? And you, then yeah. when you it's find the, out, the, the, find out what happens when he does find out, and then you're like, okay, mm -hmm. I can never, I, I can't. There's no value in me rewatching this. I'll be very bored because I know what's happened. Yeah. Whereas if you've got if you've got relationships that are fleshed out in this more organic way it, mm -hmm. it, it exists outside of the you know the simple like the timeline of the series like it exists it continues existing um when the camera is not on them 
mm-hmm. which is um so appealing um and it just makes it feel so much more natural a lot of the time and it makes so much more sense as to like why these characters spend time with each other yeah um and it's i think it i think it makes for a much more enjoyable watching experience um obviously this is not to be like pure drama sucks ass and it's terrible Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, the way that I the, the way that I mm-hmm. think both of us watch and enjoy media is more a lot more um yeah uh, we're simple folk we we're we, simple folk we like we to like see people interacting and having we, fun we like to see people who enjoy hanging out with each other um, <laughs> a revolutionary concept but then also like I think drama is more compelling when it's rooted in those kind of positive emotions. Um, mm, yeah. If you can, because you can make really, really good drama. You can make really compelling drama by saying, by like introducing, say, for example, a betrayal, and you're like, oh my god. But if you're watching that betrayal and you're thinking of all of the times that you've seen these characters positively interact and have genuine fun together and have a really nice organic chemistry, then you feel a real genuine sense of loss for that relationship. Yeah. Um. And it's really upsetting and a lot more compelling, I think, than watching someone betrayal and going, oh, my God, but they had sex 15 and a half times <laughs> in, gr- in gruesome detail. <laughs> Very interested in that half time. They had sex. <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> top or bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think uh, I just think that there's an over-reliance on um, kind of that kind of in- kind of gritty and soulless interpersonal um, interpersonal dynamic uh, that's based entirely off these kind of contrived you know like it's like it's like just pushing characters together and it yeah. is it I don't think I don't know of anybody who watches. I don't know who, of anybody who watches a gritty sex scene between two characters who betrayed each other, but now they're having sex and get really into it. I don't think I've <laughs> ever watched TV with anyone who was not just like a little bit, uh, like feels a little bit weirded out by watching these two characters fuck. Because you're, because in that context, you're watching it with someone else and you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I of. I don't know of anybody. Sex scenes. I don't know of anybody who watches like like a sex scene in like The Good Wife and goes like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> you know, <laughs> cheering at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Actually, I don't. Just, actually, I changed my mind. I want there to be people like that. I want to hang out with them. <laughs> I want to watch The Good Wife with the boys, and we're all cheering at the screen. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm glad there's no sex scenes in Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> ask that, ask that parent reviewer. It's very sexual. <laughs> of uh, course, there was the, the, the females wear low cut tops, low cut and, and revealing like, outfits. Revealing outfits. There's a lot of immodesty like, on display. I, I have um, I between between last episode and now, I have actually been like going and looking at like the female characters in Ducktales, trying to figure out. Who the fuck that person was talking about? <laughs> and I can't tell you. I still have no idea. <laughs> still, like, still, my biggest theory is Goldie because she has duck cleavage, like once I think. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> anyway, uh, so basically, anyway. my thesis statement is more laughter in media, in media, inside it, 
um more characters laughing at each other and that goes for anything you know it goes for like written stuff and it goes for all kinds of things like if you have any real sense that these characters enjoy being around each other that's a huge plus and it goes a really long way towards establishing what exactly is so appealing about these people um yes so and we get so we get it here basically yeah it's it's just very nice it's it's one of those things where it's like um it 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 it's kind of comes with the uh how well the kind of the sibling dynamic between the triplets is is established Mm -hmm. I think that um you see these interactions and it's not like it doesn't feel like you know this is the first time it's ever happened it feels like it's a quite a common occurrence for Louis to make some smug little joke and then Dewey has a bit of a giggle at it like it feels very um it feels very natural Mm -hmm. because they have uh already put work into making them feel like you know like real siblings who uh, interact with each other in realistic ways. Um, yeah, it's like he... and also it's, it's just mm-hmm. a really cute giggle. It really is. It's such a cute Can't giggle. Overstate that. It's so cute. <laughs> and I just think it's a really. I think it's a, a a clarifying point. It just it was it was a point in this episode that just kind of crystallized their relationship a bit and made yeah. it very clear suddenly. It all kind of converged, and it was like, okay, I see. So they kind of make fun of Louis a bit for, like, not really being, like, good at the same things that they are. But the reason that, like, obviously, they don't actually really... They keep him around. (laughs) They don't actually need a reason that they keep him around because they're brothers. Um, (laughs) But the reason that they're kind of so close um, and the way that Louis fits into that dynamic is that, like, he's the guy who hangs back and and makes makes kind of sarcastic comments and one-liners. And, like, we've seen that one of Louis' kind of most effective forms of humor is imitating people and making fun of them. <laughs> um, so when he kind of does it to Scrooge, Dewey giggles. You know, it's very cute. Yeah. Can you believe we've talked about this for so long and we're like a minute into the episode? <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is what you find out for, folks. <laughs> the problem was I knew I was writing this bullet point and I was like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to block out like 20 minutes to talk about Star Trek. I just knew it was going to happen. There was, like, no way I was going to be able to talk about laughter in media without talking about Star Trek The Next Generation, which everybody should watch. I talk about Star Trek all the time anyway. <laughs> you have to put up with a lot of me talking about Star Trek. <laughs> so it makes sense that some of it would leak into the podcast. So, it's really good. listeners, it's if really you think good. this is bad, Marty has a very bad life outside of the podcast. <laughs> listeners, if you think this is bad, Monty had to talk to me about Star Trek for probably like an hour or two just to kind of vent it all out. <laughs> like the other day, and was that just like it was like an hour before podcast, and then another hour like after podcast? Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a Star Trek sandwich with our DuckTales podcast <laughs> in the middle. That was the only reason Star Trek didn't get a mention last time. <laughs> you vented it beforehand and then it had built up again by the time you finished recording the podcast and you had to vent it again <laughs> I'm sorry I looked at the IMDB page for Discovery and it gave me emotions <laughs> it was really good it was really good anyway <laughs> anyway um, um, okay yeah okay Okay. Yeah, back okay. to actual okay. ducks <laughs> So Webby basically says that Scrooge's birthday has sucked ever since Duckworth died. So we get the reveal that classic original Duckworth from DuckTales uh, is dead. Um, <laughs> Which is such a funny way to introduce a fan favorite character that people had been wanting to see. To be yeah. like, oh yeah, he existence He's continuity. He died. Super though. dead. Super dead. Cannot overstate how dead he is. He died of um, being old, I guess. 
<laughs> it's very funny to go back because there was people, there's people who have like um, been like, like a very popular thing from early DuckTales was to kind of be on like watch for characters from the old show or from the comics or whatever. Um, and a big one for that was Duck was um, Duckworth because um, Frank said fairly, uh, fairly early on that, uh, you know, you've already seen him, like he's already there. And so people kind of went obsessively looking for him. Um, somebody suggested that he was the uh, he was the dog um, in the in the waiting room when Donald was going going through the interview in the first episode. That was obviously incorrect. Like people, have been it wasn't that Roxanne. No, no, no. There's a no. There's a guy there as well. Um, <laughs> okay. There is a male. No, it was gender bent duck. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. There is a um, there is a male dog, dog nose character there that people are like. Is this Duckworth? Is this Duckworth? Um, clearly it wasn't. Um, <laughs> Duckworth going but... to work for Gold, Very funny. <laughs> but um, so it, it, Duckworth is one of the big characters that people are on the lookout for ages. So it's so funny for this episode to be like, oh yeah, you've been looking for Duckworth. Here he is. He died. He's dead. He's, He's a dead, dead person. So dead. <laughs> Cannot overstate how dead he is. Um, so everybody's warning Huey, you know, don't do anything for Scrooge's birthday. He fucking hates it. And Huey defies everyone's warnings and commits himself to party planning mode. Um, we also get Huey immediately disrespecting the dead. He does not give a shit that this old man is dead. He's like, who the fuck cares? I'll be way better than him because he's dead and I'm alive. This this conflict, this episode, is literally trying to prove that he's better than a dead person. He is Scrooge McDuck's nephew. (laughs) Mount Everest much? (laughs) Duckworth is Huey's George Mallory. (laughs) See, this is the hard-hitting analysis that you won't get anywhere else. (laughs) Um. But no, we get we get kind of um Huey's instant shift into uh planning mode, which is a uh, um return return of duck behaviors. Uh, he's very very got some very very um like obviously last episode was also quite a lot about uh you know Huey's autism in my opinion in our opinion. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of like a an alternate um kind of an alternate facet to this where yeah. he's um very focused on the planning process and doing things the right way um, yeah. and he gets very excited about schedules and lists and um yeah. he's, he, it's very very cute i like it a lot this is one of my favorite huey character traits i think it's very very cute and very endearing um, yeah i mean it's huey's whole motivation this episode is doing things the right way because hmm. if someone has a birthday they have to have a birthday party that's yes. the rule that's so, the rule and if you have a birthday party you have fun at the birthday party because that's what birthday parties are for from 606 to 609, you have fun. <laughs> also, we get Webby, uh, Webby being shuffled off to, uh, to the camp. And as she goes, she says, if I don't come back, tell my story. Um, uh, she's, she's prepared in this episode for a minute and she's so perfect. I she's love so that, Webby. Perfect. So much. Um, uh, but it's very funny. Um, Beakley kind of like, she she does the whole like you know don't say I didn't warn you thing as she leaves, which is a very funny thing to to do. Like, yes, children, like, like three ten year old boys. I'm leaving you in the house with an old man who 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 like seems to have some kind of trauma related to birthday parties. Um, knowing that Huey is going to plan a birthday party, and she's like, well, this will be fine. She just leaves them. <laughs> Let's just leave him to it. I mean, we can't we can't put it all on Beakley here, Donald fucking fled <laughs> to the scene 
Donald's Donald's Dad of the Year award is getting a little bit rusty here. I have to say, there is a little bit a little bit of grime on his trophy in um <laughs> when he ran out the door, ran past his ran past his sons, ran out the door, got in his car, and drove away like a bat out of hell. Um, he forgot he had kids. It happens to all of us. <laughs> Can he not be allowed one lapse, one one moment to forget that he has children? Hmm. An interesting, actually, an interesting thing about this um, is that uh, by that assumption, you would think that uh, Donald has uh, experience of being around, like, uh, you know, of being around Scrooge when he's in, like, when he's, like, in his terrible birthday party mode. Yeah. But it's just interesting to think that if that's true, then you wonder when Duckworth died, because Webby does, at the end of this episode, recognise Duckworth, whether that's because she saw him in a painting or whether because... Mm. She knew him before she before he died. Very interesting trying to work out the timeline on when exactly Duckworth died. Um yeah. and whether whether this is just Donald kind of seeing, oh, Scrooge is gonna be unbearable today and he already hates me, I should leave. Um, maybe maybe he had a maybe he committed an unrelated crime he's fleeing from. <laughs> he didn't know it was Scrooge's birthday. <laughs> he doesn't know. He just had to get out of there. <laughs> he was using Scrooge's bathtub again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Scrooge has been Scrooge is preparing to spend his birthday in peace and quiet because he hates it and he just wants to chill out. Um, but then he finds a Daft Punk in his house. Um, oh no, the Daft Punk's got in again. There's Daft Punk in here. Oh no, you have to keep so... the windows closed during summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Daft Punk in here. So he tackles the child. <laughs> Um, and oh. he slams the child to the ground, and then he finds himself faced with a surprise birthday party he neither expected, nor wanted, nor plans to enjoy. Um, <laughs> DJ Daft Duck. We're gonna have to talk about it. Um, let's talk about DJ Daft Duck. <laughs> let's talk about DJ Daft Duck, the cutest thing that's ever existed. Um, it's combined with Dewey's little laugh at the start, he is unbearably cute this episode. Um, he is- and- Adorable. Particularly, it's the emoticons on the yes. death punk screen. Yes. <laughs> I make them into emojis, and it's most of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's... it's very, very cute. DJ Daft Duck is uh, one of my favorite like uh, parts of this episode. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's also very funny in the table read because obviously, obviously, Benchworth is not wearing a, a Daft Punk helmet that can emote. Um, mm-hmm. I wish he was. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. But um, uh, DJ, he does the DJ Daft Punk thing by just having like his programmed uh, keytar, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is still really, really funny. Yeah. Um, so it's such a it's just such a fun, cute uh, little thing for Dewey to be doing this episode because Dewey is very much like. Uh, in the background, Dewey is yeah. not part of the uh, conflict here. It is between uh, Huey and Louis when there is conflict between them. Yeah, um, he's on. He's nice on Louis' side. Yeah, he's on. Yeah, like he he does take sides, but he doesn't yeah. do anything because he because he can't talk. <laughs> he physically can't talk. That's the problem. <laughs> in an interesting position here, where the only thing he can do is like flash emoticons up on the screen, pre-programmed emoticons up on the screen. And uh, hit buttons on the keytar, which are programmed to certain sound recordings. So unless it's on the keytar, he can't communicate it. <laughs> um, he is very, um, very cute. I think also, I imagine the uh, the animators and the storyboarders probably had some fun with uh, with the emoticons because a lot yeah. of the kind of 
very cute ones are ones that you just the problems with the the problem with animating ducks I think is that the beak is a very stiff object it's very yes. solid you can't really move it in the same kind of malleable way a mouth can so you lose some of the expressiveness um so we get mm -hmm. some very cute little oh faces um I like I really like that sound effect <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of a lot of Dewey's faces are just like uh, it's really good. It's really, really good. He got he's got like the classic like um smiling face and frowning face. He's got the um the I don't know how to describe it, the one that's kind of like the very internet fame, like the very internet one which is like looking disapprovingly. Um yes. yeah, you know the yeah, one yeah. I'm talking about. I hate I, I hate audio 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 mediums. I can't describe this emoticon. This podcast episode is doomed because so much of it, I think, is going to rely on just, like, the Daft Punk images. And you just have to close your eyes and imagine a little boy in a very cute little suit and a Daft Punk helmet um, with fun emoticons on it. And it is it's absolutely really adorable. He's so, so cute. He's so cute. It's also very cute to imagine him um, uh, either already having this keytar that he is programmed with his own voice or doing it in like the hour that he was given to prepare that's what um, he did what he was preparing he somehow sourced a daft punk helmet and then he programmed some, some sounds and then he, he he decided on the like you know the the the, the fixed amount of sounds that he would need for this yeah. birthday party which yeah. included things like uh oh no and oh yeah and also <laughs> also like a, a dun 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 sound yeah which is a very funny thing to program in for a birthday party yeah <laughs> um so scourge gets relegated to a tiny tiny chair in the middle of the floor <laughs> with a furry hat on <laughs> Um, and Huey lays out exactly what he'll be doing minute by minute for the rest of the party, including yes. have fun. Um, Louis put together, quote, a guest list of Duckburg's most powerful and elite, which con mm -hmm. consists of very clearly Glom Goldmark Beaks and Mob Beagle in costume. The, um, <laughs> the, 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 the thin veneer of disguise here is very funny. <laughs> the implication that that they don't recognize. <laughs> like, okay, they, they don't recognize Gorm Gold Marbeagle and Marbeaks in very low effort disguises is very, very funny. It's very um, funny. It's very like it's very like it's very like reminiscent of the like the cartoon thing where a character like puts on a fake mustache or yeah. like pretends to be reading a newspaper or whatever when there's like a chase sequence. Um it's yeah. very funny. Uh, the thing is, they are probably Duckburg's most powerful individuals um I mean, he's like, yeah, they're they definitely are. the most powerful people louis knows or could get to come to the mansion on short notice because they all had ulterior motives so like he did a good job <laughs> he's also wearing a very cute white suit which i feel like we overlook a lot in favor of the daft punk costume I, but he looks so not, cute i did not overlook this at all i said louis in his little suit is making me feel it's so cute it returns in um happy birthday doofus drake um yes and possibly also in day of the only child um, I can't remember if he's wearing the suit then. Maybe. 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 But it's just a very cute, like, his, his little white suit is very, just like, a uh, very iconic thing, I think, that he wears. Um, it does. It's so it's cute. cute. It reminds me, it does, it does, uh, it does remind me a bit of Gladstone. Um, just like yeah, his fancy little yeah. suit. Because um, it's yeah. a similar style to the suit that he got t fitted for him like, with Gladstone. So, he's so cute. Um, so he, he did, so I think, I think Louis did a good job. <laughs> Louis, um, Louis did a very good job on technicality. Yeah, he was given an hour. 
<laughs> As he repeatedly states through this episode, he was given an hour to put together a guest list for a birthday party, for the birthday which the birthday boy does not want. Yeah. Huey calls him the birthday boy like two minutes from now. Um, yeah. I, I also the other thing the other thing in Louis's favor is that everybody else they knew no they know has already left town. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> like how many eleven um, year olds do you think would be able to actually put together a birth- uh, a guest list for a birthday party for an adult? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, Beakley and Webby are gone. Donald has left the country, presumably. Um, <laughs> He's gone to South America. Is in this episode. Um, I think it would be very funny if Launchpad was here. <laughs> <laughs> but it would take obviously a lot of the suspense out of it because um the kind of the point is that they don't they don't have any they don't have any actual friends or family yeah. they can invite to this party. I they like couldn't have, Launchpad. I like they couldn't have Launchpad in because Launchpad would have come to the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Launchpad's just at I home. Like Launchpad's just Launchpad's at home watching a Darkwing Duck marathon and he didn't answer his phone because um he had it turned off because he's busy watching um the best TV show in the world. Um, Launchpad put his phone in the fridge um, (laughs) because he went to get a snack and his, yeah, he put his phone in the fridge and it's in there. Canonical explanation for why Launchpad is not in this episode. You're welcome, everybody. Um, I know you you were hanging on the edge of your seats for for this (laughs) this glaring plot hole to be resolved. Yeah. Well, don't worry because it's all down to Launchpad's very cold phone. Um, (laughs) So... Huey's birthday activities include a jumbo word search about you, mm-hmm. musical chairs, and balloon pop relay. Which I don't know what that is. I also don't know. It, it sounds like it sounds like a, a you know a birthday game that I could have conceivably played when I was like you know like seven or eight probably. Mm. Um, I don't remember it. I don't. I don't remember actually ever actually playing it. The birthday word search is um very funny and very crazy to me. You know that Huey like. <laughs> put this together within like 15 minutes yeah um and the other the the, the fact the thing is that this word search is actually functional um yeah uh, i saw i saw the word gold in there mm, um would you like to know would you like to know all the words that are contained in this word search please we have gold dismal downs glasgow we have the butler did it which is like like in two separate places which is very funny because it is Obviously. It is going to be the Butler, Butler Dennis. <laughs> that is the answer to this one. We have Money Bin, Clan McDuck, Dime, Smarties, Tuffies, Shoe Shiner, Klondike, Yukon, Golden Sun, and Barks, as in a reference to Carl Barks. Oh. So, um, uh, you can't read the, um, you can read the letters in the actual word search. You can't read the, like, the list of, of words to search for on the side, but, um, this is just from the, the Disney wiki. Somebody's just written this in the trivia. But it's very cute that it's, like, actually, um, <laughs> You can actually find words about Scrooge yeah. in this word search. I think that's really nice. It's a real word search. Um, yeah, I really some nice attention to detail. I really, really like how Scrooge is not mature enough to pretend to be enjoying this for the sake of the small child. He is being just like the like he is being the pettiest little bitch here. It's so funny. But he's so he's evil. Like, he's like sitting like slouched to an alarming degree in this chair, like with his arms crossed, so so angry. And he, <laughs> he's like, in a um, hop. He's, he's throwing a a t- an adult man tantrum. <laughs> he's um. There's a moment where um, uh, where um, uh, Huey brings like the balloons over to him, and he says like, you know, balloon pop relay coming to the station, and Scrooge just pops the balloons, and he says, "Station's closed." <laughs> he's so evil. 
He's so evil. Scrooge, this is a small child. It's a small child. <laughs> it's a very, very small, minuscule, microscopic child. You need to be nice to children. I don't know if you understand this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, kind of panicking, Huey calls a staff meeting with his brothers. Uh, he explains that this party is a way to pay back Scrooge for everything he's done for them, because that's what you're supposed to do with parent figures, is pay them back for mm. children. Mm. Um, Louis just wants him to drop it because Scrooge clearly isn't enjoying himself, and Louis is the only person with common sense in this situation. We get a little bit where I found it interesting that the emphasis on birthday parties kind of required by this episode makes it even weirder that Huey, Dewey, and Louis haven't had a birthday, particularly... Yeah. Because the passage of time is explicit in a way that it usually isn't in cartoons. Yes. Um, in, in, like, in this episode, there is a mention of the passage of time. Um, yeah, he says, later, it, he says that like, they came here two months ago. So it's been two yeah, months. It's, it's, it's two months since, um, since uh, Beagle Birthday Massacre. It's specifically yeah, referencing yeah. that um, they got kidnapped two months ago. So like, yeah. this shows, obviously, it's not like a strict timeline. We have talked before about the interesting... Um, <laughs> interesting interesting structure of season three where you get um, uh, spring break uh, halloween. halloween spring break and then back around to christmas yeah <laughs> um but the fact that like, like there is like a there is like multiple times where characters will say like you know over the past few years or like last year or like however many months ago yeah it's, and yeah, specifically really in nightmare and kilometer hill says a year that's passed since she met webby so that's a year from yeah. uh from birthday massacre again so mm. The problem with when you you can work around it if it's any less than a year, but if it's a year, then they've had birthdays, and the yes. fact that there is, and especially because the birthday episode tends to be kind of a staple when you have characters who are twins or triplets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's such a it's such a good fodder for for like inherent conflict. Like it's the perfect yeah. setting for um for you know the siblings like like some kind of conf- conflict between them. Yeah, the like division of attention or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's just really bizarre, I think. Um, and like, even looking ahead to uh to like, you know, episodes still to come in season three, none of them, you know, from the title at least, are going to be birthday episodes. Yeah, so it's, it's just very, very strange. Very strange. It's just very strange to have like, because obviously Huey's fixation on having a birthday party here is based on this precedent of you have a birthday, you have to have a party. Of like this yeah. is a routine, this is a tradition. There is always a party for a birthday, um, and just like not ever showing the birthday parties is interesting. Um, it just kind of brings mm. it to attention in a way that they that is unfortunately unavoidable with having a, a an episode about birthday parties. Um, so then Huey kind of reveals his trump card for the evening, just Nick Nocturne, spelled with two K's, <sighs> a goth birthday magician who Scrooge instantly hates. <laughs> I love Nick Nocturne. I love. I think he's such a funny. Um, my my favorite part about um Nick Nocturne, which is also referencing back to the uh, the table read, which is that in the narration, Nick Nocturne is said to be like Chris Angel, but somehow worse. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> One of the funniest descriptions of a character. Uh, I love it when they just really dunk on real people. It's so it's funny. So funny. It's so funny. So um, it's really, really, really. Uh, Nick Nocturne as a character is so funny. He's um, he's like spelled with two Ks because they made the C's disappear. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't make any sense. It's so funny. 
Um, so uh-huh. Scrooge starts kind of heckling, <laughs> heckling him, <laughs> like you know, pointing out, pointing out that he's got the card in his pocket next to a dove. Um, but he does agree to be put in the abyss box and disappear, probably in the hope that he will for real disappear and not have to be at the party anymore. Um, that or die. But uh, <laughs> either when, is fine at this point. When he does get into the get into the abyss box, um, he points out that there's a there's a trap door. He's very obviously meant to hide behind. Um, but then the lights go out. A mysterious co- voice comes from the shadows, and the abyss box is reduced to splinters with Scrooge nowhere in sight. So Nick totally breaks character to sob over his trick box, and it's like fucking <laughs> inconsolable. <so> <laughs> And while this ma- while this like grown man is like fucking we- wailing and crying because his magic trick is broken in shreds, Huey is pretty defiantly believing it's still part of the show. No, <laughs> <laughs> and Huey and Louie are a bit more kind of grounded in reality. They're like, um, I don't think this is. I, I don't there's think there's a very cute um there's a very cute DJ Daft Duck where he say, where he um presses a key and goes say what. <laughs> Which is a very, very funny reaction to um to your to your uncle being uh disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> um, presu- I mean like at this point, like the this is like the box is in like is in like a heap on the floor. Injured, yeah. At this point it's probably like, yeah, Scrooge is dead. Like he's been crushed to death. Right. Um but Huey he digs through the wreckage and he finds that Scrooge's wallet has been left behind. And he knows that Scrooge would never voluntarily go somewhere without his wallet, so he's been kidnapped. Um, very Dewey... very funny deductive reasoning. Yeah. So there's say. a very cute bit where Dewey kind of tries to give some ambiance, you know, dun dun dun, and Huey kind of snaps at him to take the helmet off, and he immediately tries, but he can't get it off. Um, it's just kind of a, <laughs> it's a cute little kind of illustration of how everybody's kind of going along with what Huey wants today. Uh, they're all yeah. following his. So when he snaps at Dewey to take the stupid helmet off, he immediately starts trying to get it off, but obviously can't. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, unwilling to stop seeing things through the birthday party lens, uh, Huey kind of concludes that this party has turned into a locked room mystery, which is another type of party. And it's if fine. they can, it's still a party. And if they can just solve it, Scrooge will love his party, and everything will be fine. Um, Louis, Louis just wants to call an adult to help um, and get Scrooge <laughs> back is, safe because he's a normal the person. Thing, the funniest thing for Louis to do. Louis is like, um, he, he and he like calls it out himself. Is it like he can't believe that he is the one? suggesting that they call an adult there's like a little um <laughs> in the table read i think actually after he suggests this he does like a little fake wretch yeah really funny. He's like, oh. um, oh. um it's it's um it's very funny kind of like uh huey being the one who's just kind of very blind to the danger of things and louis being like um no scrooge might be dead we should call beakley um but huey just kind of thinking well no like he'll be fine but if we do this right if we if we if we do this right then maybe he'll have fun at his party because this is still a party i promise i promise it's still a party yeah um, it's fine guys it's still a party it's okay it's 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 a very interesting kind of uh display of his sometimes very fucked up priorities which is that uh the life of of his great uncle comes second to being right and like doing things by the book and being a better party planner than a dead man by the <laughs> he way better he than Duckworth. Very, he is still very set on being like no well if we do a better party than duckworth that old dead bitch maybe <laughs> he'll like it and he'll be having fun and maybe then he'll be really happy it's just so funny it's really, really funny. stop he's already dead 
He's already dead. The thing is, I think it's just very cute that Huey, when whenever it's kind of kind of cute and sad whenever Huey tries to like kind of get people's like emotional reactions to align with his like plan that if something mm-hmm. goes right, then everyone will be happy. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit kind of unfortunate that like he does kind of he is doing all of this based on the fantasy that if he can just figure it out, if he can just do it right, if he can just reason his way through it and make it a good party, then Scrooge will stop hating his birthday party because, of course, he has to. Everything must be fine. Um, yes. And then we just having to be the responsible one and step up in Huey's stead is a bit. He mm. hates it, but you know. <laughs> he hates it. He hates it, but he's like, no, well, somebody might be dead. We need to call an adult. Yeah. Um, he's like, we can't do this alone. We need some help. Um, also, it's interesting uh, whether whether the fact that Louis at this point is the only one who knows that all of their guests are criminals, <laughs> whether that whether played into. Whether that played into his decision making at all, whether he's maybe regretting that decision. Um, so we get Louise very cute, like, oh, I hate this already, which Dewey responds to with, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Louis goes, you can't get that helmet off, can you? And he goes, oh, no. Each of those, by the way, accompanied by uh, a little smiley face, a little emoticon. <laughs> Um, so cute. He's so cute. Um, (laughs) so Huey decides to do his, uh, to do his, uh, Praro thing, and he decides to turn his attention to each of the suspects in turn, and the first is Nick Nocturne. Um, he had the opportunity, he had the motive that Scrooge was heckling him, and Nick Nocturne says, I can handle a little heckling, so they decide to prove it with little boy bullying. They proceed to bully him to the point of collapse. Um, <laughs> Couldn't hack his birthday clown, huh? That's my favorite one. Louis a lot um, better I, at heckling than, Louis than, than a lot better than this. Huey's Huey's one is is like nice hood hood guy. <laughs> <laughs> Huey is bad at this. I'm very sorry. I'm very yeah, sorry. Louis is genuinely quite hurtful. Um why don't you make like um, everyone's um, interest in you and disappear? <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about this little moment is that, like, despite how much he hates this and despite how much he's been like arguing against it, Louis is still working with Huey. Like, he is not, you know, like he he is following Huey's lead. He is thinking, well, Huey is accusing this guy. I am going to help by heckling. Like, I am going to, yeah. And, and like when when Huey is saying, you know, you've got the motive. Louis is the one who like puts in the motive. He says, yes, yeah, Scrooge is making fun of you. You thought you're yeah. done box thingy. It's just very nice that, like, despite the fact that they're arguing, they're still on the same side. Like, in the grand yeah. scheme of things, it's just nice. Yeah, I think Louis and Louis and Dewey are kind of seeing how important this is to Huey, and yeah. going along with it, kind of out of love for him, as opposed to any real investment in the birthday party thing. They're both yeah. very obviously able to see that Scrooge is not enjoying this birthday party. He's not going to enjoy this birthday party no matter what Huey does. Um, they're not invested in Huey being better than Duckworth because he's a dead man. Um, but I don't know. Maybe there's been some birthday-related meltdown in the past. I don't know. They obviously mm. want to. Uh, they obviously want to want to make this uh, be on his side about this and uh, and try and help him in any way that they can. So they put a lot of work into this party, even though they don't care about it. You know, yeah. they get dressed up. They. Dewey 
prepared this entire persona and programmed all of like the guitar and the helmet and put all this work in. And Louis put together this guest list and got all dressed up and like they they put a lot of work in. Um, yeah. For for Huey's sake, which is very cute. Um. So they end up uncovering that Nick Nocturne is actually Blackguard Spiegel, and they reveal one of their masked guests, Ma Beagle. But Louis knew that anyway because he invited her. <laughs> um, I do have a note here. She's um, legit. This I have a note here, which is completely inconsequential. Um, I did write underneath uh, Black Arts Beagle. I did write which ear is the gay ear. Because Black Arts Beagle does have an ear piercing in one ear. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I think his um I think the, 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 the right ear is the gay ear and his his ear is um he's got I a thought it was the left side. I thought it was the left ear was the gay ear. It's it's the left ear in the UK, apparently. So I think that I think that Blackheart's Beagle, unfortunately, is not doing some gay signaling here. He is gay, but I I think, but um, this is just not part of that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was just a completely inconsequential thing that I just wanted to I wanted to bring up. Um, Thank you. Thank you for your research. I'm a big fan of of Ma Beagle revealing herself. Um and uh. And pulling out a crowbar, which makes it look like he's going to maul these children. Advancing on the children with <laughs> crowbar up. Um, <laughs> violence. Uh, Blackheart is explaining the plan. Mobby goes telling him to shut the fuck up. Uh, we get the very funny line delivery of um, "Shut it, Black Arts." <laughs> <laughs> it's really. I love Blackheart's doing the kind of like it's like the classic like villain monologue, um, which is uh. It's just very funny that Mar is like actually being pragmatic here. See, the thing is that Mar Beagle is the most competent villain in Doctor. Um, but she's just stymied by the fact that all of her sons are terrible. terrible. All of her sons are idiots, and also all um, of her sons are the worst. She's kind of, unfortunately, she's a bit too pragmatic in that she's so competent that she knows that Scrooge McDuck is much more trouble than he's worth. So there really yeah. isn't much point in like directly aggressing him. Um, yeah. So we get that here where she obviously sees an opportunity and she is for once kind of uh, kind of targeting Scrooge directly. Um, mm-hmm. So basically their plan is that Nick Nocturne was going to distract Scrooge and the kids while Maul stole back the deed to Duckburg. Scrooge colonizer. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of how they kind of edge around Scrooge being like a cartoon villain colonizer by saying, yeah. "Oh, it's fine. He stole it from the Beagles, but they stole it from the townspeople first. What He's is interesting here, here is that we find out that Grandpappy Beagle stole the deed to Duckburg from the townspeople, who apparently communally owned it. Yeah. Um, Scrooge stole it back. And then leased the land back to the town for a profit because he's evil. <laughs> That's an evil, evil thing to do. He's a cartoon capitalist villain, super mega landlord, but it's okay because the grandpa Beagle stole it first. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we also got a very funny gag here of Louis swooning. Louis like... is obsessed with this. He is he is once again struck by the fact that um, Scrooge is the coolest capitalist to ever exist. Louis <laughs> just like this is so cool. This is amazing. Louis Louis in Louis in heaven. Um, he's never admired someone more. Um, so Huey finds out that Louie invited Ma Beagle. <laughs> uh, she explains that Scrooge wasn't actually supposed to disappear. Um, but, like, they have no idea what happened to the Abyss box. 
um, and the door suddenly becoming locked foiled her plan. Um, so we get obviously what we mentioned before, which is this timeline hint of uh, Huey saying that she held us hostage two months ago. Um, and Louis like, you gave me an hour to put together the guest list. Um, <laughs> and then we also get a very cute line read from uh, from Nick Nocturne, which is, I'm the master of the arcade. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. I'm a huge fan of um of, of Blackheart Spiegel, honestly. I think he's a very funny background character. Um, he is. Like, like, a, like a one-off character, that is. Um, he's awesome. I think the Beagle Boys in general are really, really good. Um, I really like it when they kind of have, like, their when they have like their breakout moments um so this is great and then we have like um it's I think it's a while since moments. <laughs> that was an unintentional joke I thought it came to me like I, I realized as I was about to say it but I was like I don't want to come up with another word um <laughs> <laughs> they're massacre moments um <laughs> but um so we've got we've got like you know Blackheart's Beagle and then there's also like a I don't know if there's anything in between now and then but then there's also um in uh the golden armory of Cornelius Coot. We got we get some really good Beagle Boy stuff there. Um, I just think they're really entertaining villains because they're so incompetent. Um, and they just kind of contrasted against Ma Beagle, who is so competent she, that she isn't a threat because she doesn't feel like putting herself mm-hmm. in that kind of position. Yeah, so good. Huey, after realizing that like they didn't expect the lights to go out, I think mm-hmm. that was part of the plan. Um, he combines Tarzan and property damage to determine the power source for the lights that were cut by grabbing onto the light cord and ripping through the fucking drywall all the way down the wall, all the way across I... the hall, over to a portrait. I This is the most insane thing that Huey's ever done. It's so crazy. Huey, first of all, Huey on the chandelier, how did you get up there? Get down right now. Get down. Get the fuck down. And then he finds the security system hidden behind the portrait of the dead guy he hates. I'm just obsessed with the fact that he's like, instead of following the wires by like tracing along the wall, he rips them out. He tears them out and swings along a live wire. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you, insane little boy? But um, oh my god, it's like all of my notes here are like in all caps because it took me by surprise because I don't, I didn't remember him doing this like completely insane stunt in the middle of his investigation for no reason. But um, but he so he follows the he follows the 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 power lines to the painting of the dead guy that he hates, the dead guy that he's trying to um, (laughs) trying to to show up. Um, and behind the painting is the security system, which is called the DT87. Um, DuckTales 1987! Yay! Um, it's DuckTales 1987. Yeah. Did you get the joke? It's about DuckTales 1987. Remember how the original show was from 1987? This is such a funny joke. This is such a funny joke. Um, he determines that only a tech genius could have hacked it. So Dewey identifies their second guest as Mark Beeks, um, by looking at his Instagram. Um, <laughs> Beeks, uh, <laughs> Hilariously, uh, he's he's much less he's much less irritating in this episode because he's uh, obviously so toned down. Um, he doesn't seem to know or care what's been happening. He's been listening. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the move of showing up to someone's birthday party with headphones of headphones on, not paying attention, being on your phone the whole time and listening to music. You could be anywhere. <laughs> he's not. It's he's awesome. not there. He's not. He's not attending the party. Um, <laughs> 
So he has absolutely no clue what's been happening. Um, his reason for accepting the invite was so that he could scour the security system for embarrassing footage of Scrooge walking into glass doors. He was like, you invited him too in the middle of... He interrupts Beats to say that. <laughs> like, talks over him to be like, you invited this fucking guy. What's wrong with you? Beats here is really funny to me because he is like... Obviously, he's inherently a very pathetic character, but I think his... his um it is kind of dialed up here in a way that it's very funny. He's like, his introduction, like, you know, he like walks over to Mar Beagle and he tries to give her uh, like a virtual high five with the app on his phone. And Mar Beagle's just like, who is this? Fuck, who's this joker? Who's this who piece of shit? Clown? And then one point she goes Nobody like, you're telling me that this guy is one of Scrooge McDuck's nemesis? <laughs> and it's like, I'm so, sorry, he's actually um, not. He's not. He's just some rando that, that Louis knows of. Um, yeah, I'm also a big fan of um of of Mark Beaks, uh, put, uh, putting funny Scrooge moments on YouTube about him walking into a glass door and then he walks into a solid normal door and falls over. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like that a lot. Um, um, Mark Beaks died. Um, he, he, he walked into a door and died. Yeah. Uh, so he realizes that they can use the picture Beaks took during the blackout as evidence. Um, so from that, they figure out that the final guest is Flinthard Glomgold, who opened the Abyss box during the blackout. Uh, we get a cute little moment where he gets Dewey to enhance <laughs> the picture. It's so cute. It's, it's like it's like the classic like uh, crime like crime procedural yeah. where they have like security footage and it's like zoom and enhance and it manages to magically um, up the yeah. resolution of a like grainy security camera footage. But um, it's just it's just that Dewey like comes over and just zooms in. <laughs> he just comes over and like hits him through the, this phone screen. <laughs> it's so cute because Huey like says like enhance and then he like repeats himself and like Dewey comes over and zooms for him. Like it's so cute. <laughs> so cute. They really did demonstrate how they're all just kind of like playing along with uh with what Huey wants to do today. So like he says enhance, Dewey comes over and enhances the phone for him. Uh, <laughs> And they obviously identify Glongold, and he goes, how did you know it was me? And Louis kind of deadpans, it's always you. And he goes, and it always <laughs> will be. One <laughs> <laughs> of my favorite kind of Glongold, like, heel turns. <laughs> it's awesome. I think Glongold is such a funny villain. The thing is that all, the, all, all of the villains in DuckTales, or all of the, like, recurring villains, have to be fairly harmless. Otherwise, they can't be recurring villains. Um... Because they have to kind of be defanged at some point. Like, mm-hmm. they can't really be a threat. And I think Glomgold is the best example of that, where he is never once actually a threat to Scrooge. Like, the closest he gets is in Glom Tales, and that's only because Louis is competent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just kind of this very, like, um, everyone here being aware that Glomgold is, like, because like everyone everyone like um calls out that it's Glomgold. Like <laughs> like everybody, including uh like Nick Knocker and Mark Beagle and, and Mark Beaks, they're like Flintheart Glomgold. And this is very like this funny recognition that Glomgold is the like the super like cartoonish, harmless uh nemesis of Scrooge McDuck that everybody recognizes him as that. It's just yeah. very funny, very charming that this is like his accepted role. Yeah. What I also really like here is that Gongold and Mobile get distracted and start bonding over A, how hard it is to try and kill Scourge with Beakley around. Um, that they both hate Beakley because he's too confident. Um, mm-hmm. And B, how did they miss Duckworth? His parties were so good. Um, yeah, he never would have let us into this party. <laughs> yeah. This dog shit party. It's been revealed, um, shockingly, that Gongold was also invited. <laughs> Who I'm a big known? fan, by the way, of um, Gongold straight up admitting that he was trying to murder Scrooge. 
<laughs> all the time. He's like, I came here to kill Scourge. I came here to kill him. It's very funny. Nobody even cares. Like nobody even really reacts to that. Like pro- like that, that proclamation. Nobody's like, oh my god, you were trying to kill him. Everyone's just like, yep, that's fair. Yeah. that's like you know standard procedure. I really like. We get to see uh, Glongo's party invite. I really like that Louis' version of party invites is writing, you are hereby cordially invited to a party in cursive, <laughs> then writing the address and giving no other details. Oh, he was given one hour. What do you want from him? One hour. And most of that was obviously spent writing in cursive. It's very beautifully calligraphy. <laughs> we get a montage of all the ways that Glongo planned to murder Scrooge, including a chainsaw attached to an axe. Um, duct taped, like not like not even like it, yeah. it falls off. By the way, the chainsaw falls off the axe. <laughs> but that would have been gruesome. Um, I'm a big fan of his scorpions with bows on. I like scorpions a lot. Um, and then he reveals that he ran out of time, gave up, and gift wrapped a bomb, and he's very proud of himself <laughs> for that. Um, Huey calls another staff meeting, not before, however, the bomb explodes <laughs> on the on the present table, <laughs> and Gungle just goes, "Not my best work." <laughs> Um, so he recalls another staff meeting where he admits that he has no clue who took Scrooge Louis again urges him to call Beakley and get help because their uncles would get out but Huey refuses he's a good party planner and he can handle this Um, incredible moment Dewey who agrees with Mm -hmm. Louis offers Huey his phone to call Beakley but Huey immediately slaps it out of his hand and the duke is back flashes up on Dewey's helmet this is this is one of my favorite little moments. This is obviously a callback to um, the Duke of Making a Mess from uh, Infernal Internship, but it's also just like a nice kind of uh, continuity thing that Huey just has anger issues in general. Um, yeah, this is obviously something that comes up very prominently in uh, Split Sword of Swanstantine. <clears throat> so I, I won't dwell on that because it is still spoiler territory, I think. But it's kind of like it's a nice. Uh, it's just a nice like consistent thing that Huey has and has like like has historically had anger issues that this is something that his brothers recognize and that they yeah. have you know a name for it that yeah. um Duke. That it's just you know that they, they that they can recognize um when Huey is starting to get to this boiling point where mm-hmm. he is getting so focused or like so obsessed with something that it starts to uh really get to him and starts to get to, starts to push him into uh the duke territory yeah and then he starts lashing um, out at people who are trying to kind of yeah. get him to stop focusing on it. he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't reach that boiling point in this episode um he doesn't uh he, there is no proper huey rage moments here it's just kind of i think it's just that one slap really is like the yeah. that he gets but um it's it's just a nicer I, I like it a lot it's very cute it's like a very like a uh it's not like a one frame thing but it's very very quick the duke mm-hmm. is back um so it's very much something like you see it, but uh, it's not dwelled on at all. So it's just a nice little um, Easter egg almost. You made a say. mess. Do you can make it a mess? Yeah. You can um, make a mess. So Louis and Dewey kind of reluctantly agree to let Huey try and solve the mystery because he promises he's got it. He's, he's figured it out. He can do it. So he's hoping that if he can pull this off and rescue Scrooge, everything will be good and fun and they can throw party parties to Scrooge all the time because that's what's supposed to happen. And if he does this right, then he'll be better than this one than some dead old guy. So, some um, stupid dead old guy who's stupid some and dead. stupid idiot who can't even stay alive. If <laughs> <laughs> um, he died, oh my god, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. So Huey's kind of parlor room accusation. He gets a very fun little kind of uh, Poirot parlor room ac- accusation. Um, yes. It starts with Glongold, and but as soon as he accuses Glongold, a blackout disappears him and replaces him with an elegant note reading, try again. 
So he does. He accuses Beaks. The same thing happens. Then Mob Eagle, which leaves only Black Arts, who resumes his stage persona and becomes very visibly possessed, which they don't notice yeah. because they're arguing again. <laughs> Louis tries again to get Huey to give up and call Beakley. Huey snaps at him, accusing both him and Dewey of conspiring against him by inviting villains and being bad at DJing. Literally an insane thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> an insane thing to say. So he's like, this is again like a bit of an example of, I suppose it is a bit of an example of the Duke, not in the physical rage, but in that he's like lashing mm. out at people who are kind of kind of impeding on like his ability to to do this he kind of turns on them like this which is sad because like as you pointed out they're generally trying their best you know louis points out how hard how hard he's been working and huey's done nothing but complain and now louis has to be the responsible one which he fucking hates the word like the the fact that the that louis like the louis least favorite thing about this is that he's has to he's had to be the one to suggest they call an adult Um, how dare Huey? That's always Huey's job, is it? Yeah. Huey's the one that says we should call a responsible adult. So the fact that this has fallen to Louis is really is like an example of how terrible this day is going. Yeah. But it's um it's really like a it's a really um interesting conflict here where um it's kind of like a microcosm of uh the 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 issue that Louis has where um he feels like nobody's really appreciating like what he brings to the table. Yeah. It's obviously on a smaller scale. This isn't like a Louis episode in the slightest. This is a Huey episode. But um, it's kind of like a nice example of, of Louis feeling like his uh, his contributions kind of go unnoticed where he is yeah. genuinely trying very hard and he maybe he invited some bad guests, but mm-hmm. Huey gave him an hour and he's 10 years old and he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not like he really had like – it's not like he really had – um much hope of actually putting together a a good guest list so he was really doing his best with what he had yeah um and the fact that huey has never really seemed to thank him at all for his you know for any of the work that he's done and all he's really done is just kind of like express frustration with them um Mm -hmm. is really is really upsetting for louis because he is genuinely like this is not him like trying to skip out on like doing the hard work he is genuinely trying to do this thing and it's something that he's doing for Huey it's not he's not doing it for Scrooge he thinks mm-hmm. he already knows that Scrooge hates this he's doing it for Huey and the fact that Huey is just kind of like ignoring that um is really annoying for him uh, really frustrating and it's completely understandable yeah uh I think it's interesting that as you said it is a bit of a microcosm of conflict but I think in a broader sense it is um a bit of like kind of indicative of like what Louis and Dewey see as their failings which is that like you said, Louis is working really hard, but Huey seems to think that he's conspiring against him or doing it wrong, or not really doing it wrong, but like conspiring against him by just like not doing it properly, like going about mm. things in the wrong way, basically, yeah. is his problem with yeah. this. And then with Dewey, it's that he's being bad at DJing. He's not good enough, which is Dewey's fear that he's not good enough, right? That he can't. That he's not as like as smart or as sharp as his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That he's like that. That he actually just can't like measure up. Um, so it's really sad that that's what he kind of turns on them for. And it's really sad as well because like I'm gonna leap to Dewey's defense here, which is that he's been <laughs> obviously very quiet this whole episode because he has to. Um, but he turns on him for basically no reason, which is being bad at DJing, which is like <laughs> so irrelevant. <laughs> He's ten years old, by the way. He's 
10 years old and like he hasn't really done much DJing because he's been trying to help Huey solve this mystery this whole entire time which is what Huey wanted. Mm-hmm. Huey doesn't really react much to it but he starts immediately trying to get the helmet off again. Um, yeah. Which is really sad like he wants to it's like almost obviously we don't know but it's almost like he didn't really want to do the DJ thing anymore. He wants to give up the persona. He just wants to get off. He, he just wants to get the helmet off and like stop being the DJ now that like Huey's yelled at him for being bad at DJing. Um, it's also, it's also um, like you said earlier that he has, he has about 10 things that he can actually say with the key <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't exactly, he can't exactly like, uh, rebut Huey or kind of have a conversation <laughs> here. Um, All he can really do is say, oh, no. Oh, no. Or gasp. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, obviously, Nick Nocturne is becoming possessed in the background. Um, very funny, by the way, that they're just, like, not paying any attention to him. They don't care. Um, but Dewey sees it and directs Huey's attention to where a skulled, skullhead's demon is erupting from the body of Black Arts. Um, he does this in a way, which is exactly like how he does it in Let's Get Dangerous, where he grabs someone's head and points them physically in the direction <laughs> where they need to look. It is so cute. So I cute. Love, I love, I love this. He's not like, it, it's just such like a funny, like, very character-specific action that he does, because I don't, I can't think of like any other character that's <laughs> that grabs people from behind by the cheeks and moves their head to look at something point their head um, rather than rather than like rather than the, uh, like in whatever reason not being able to like verbally get it across to them because obviously and let's get dangerous uh he's like kind of trying to get his attention but like drake is just like not listening so he's like oh fuck mm-hmm. it caught the had to grab his grab his mouth <laughs> and fucking yank him up um and obviously here he can't he can't actually talk to huey um, so he just grabs his head and points him in the direction, which is very, very cute. Um, it's so cute. So Blackheart explains that this entire plan was to get Ma to admit that his magic classes weren't a waste of time. Um, <laughs> he summoned a demon to get rid of her enemies and then get rid of her. Um, so it turns out being shitty to your kids makes them turn out like Blackhearts. Um, <laughs> so, however, the spirit that he's apparently conjured does not obey him and it vanishes him before chasing the boys. Um, he fucking died. Um, he fucking died. Um, Huey says, now I'll never throw a party better than Duckworth because you'll be dead, Huey. You're gonna die. His priorities here are so funny. I love him very, very much. But he is such an insane little boy. Um you really have to pick your battles, Huey. At this point, I think that the party planning uh, competition is written off entirely. It would, it never existed in the first place, to be honest. But um, at this point, when you are being chased by a big demon, I think you need to um, maybe let that one go. I don't. I just. Um, I don't think you can do this anymore, Huey. I think. I think it's a lost cause. I'm also a big fan of. Um, when 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 Blackheart's Beagle reveals himself, Huey kind of claims that he knew all along that it was Blackheart's Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> it's very very funny. It's still kind of trying to be right. Um, yeah, I um, knew and it. he kind of he kind of like he's he's still kind of thinking in this like in this locked room mystery sense where he's like, well, I've solved the mystery, so it should be over now. But um, yeah. clearly it's not because Blackheart's Beagle is insane and he summons a demon. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so. 
they kind of hide in an alcove um, and Dewey accidentally activates a hidden bookcase door uh, that spins around and deposits them in a hallway outside. Um, but the demon kind of is in pursuit. Uh, so they use the time that they've bought themselves to hide in a suit of armor um, with Louis the legs, Dewey in the middle and Dewey on top with the head, uh, the helmet head pointing at the top, very obviously. Um <laughs> Huey very loudly realizes that he knows where Scrooge is, which is one of my favorite little details, that they're inside this very echoey uh, suit, of, suit of armor, and Huey's talking at normal volume, and Louis keeps telling him to shut the fuck up, that they're being chased by a demon who's going to find them because he can't shut up. I love I love Huey kind of like, um, it, it, kind of like the, um, Huey's kind of like, arc i guess in this episode is very funny because um he does like admit that maybe he should have listened to scrooge but then he's like actually actually no i'm right party actually no i'm right um i'm a big fan of louis being like okay you got your moral shut up please we're about to die yeah but it's just very funny that huey kind of like um in this episode and also in last episode he kind of has his cake and eats it too where he's like yeah you know maybe i shouldn't have uh Maybe I shouldn't have written off terraformians as possibly existing. Maybe I shouldn't have planned this party to someone who doesn't want it. But also, I was right. <laughs> I was right. I don't need to change. I'm fine. Very, very funny. That he's kind of, um, the DuckTales writers are chasing after Huey with a big net called character development. He keeps dodging them. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, I like it a lot. <laughs> I love it. Um, so... Louis, who is in the leg part, uh, starts them off running. Um, the demon grabs the halberd and attacks, striking Dewey on the head with a bladed weapon so hard the helmet slips, splits in two and it finally frees him. Dewey should have died Dewey, Dewey should have <laughs> died. Dewey's dead. We get a very funny little bit where he like kind of gasps for air, finally being free of the helmet, and then he immediately wants the helmet back because he's about to be fucking cleaved in twain. Um, so the demon crashes them into the wall. This like this like Scooby Doo ass chase sequence. Like uh, uh, like you half expect them to like run into a like run into a doorway and then run out of another one. Yeah. Um, it's very funny. Um, it's just also just like, <laughs> like again, it is a cartoon. I know that it's a cartoon. This is like, like they're going to die. Like, violence. <laughs> this violence. It's the it's the it's the, fact, it's the fact that he fucking slams the halberd down on Dewey's head. It's a bladed weapon. It cuts the helmet in half. He should be dead. He should be dead. Dewey's got funny. Dewey's a magnet for for uh, for people wielding bladed weapons. Everybody has tried to kill him with a bladed weapon. Don Carnage, Quackfaster, Duckhorn. Everybody wants to kill him with a big axe or a sword or whatever. Um, so the demon kind of crashes them into the wall and Huey leads them to the kidnapper, who is very obviously Scrooge, um, as we knew all along. Um, (laughs) so Scrooge is gleefully watching his enemies get kicked out of the house on security cameras. Um, (laughs) he reveals that the demon that was attacking them was Duckworth's ghost taking demon form. Um, so basically what happened was that Blackheart's, when he called upon the spirits as part of his patter, um, actually did awaken Duckworth's ghost, who immediately set to freeing Scrooge from the party and kicking out the guests. And then he tried to kill the kids with an axe. Um, which, as we pointed out in our very first episode, kind of throws a wrench in the the ghost orb Duckworth Roomba 
uh, in mm. on Webby's conspiracy board. Uh, but well, whatever. Um, so this is like the explanation for why um, Duckworth's ghost only shows up now. Um, so I guess if anybody had said had like said that they were calling upon spirits, Duckworth would have just popped up like anyone. Very funny, because you would imagine that Webby would have been uh, summoning demons at some point, surely. 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 I mean, okay, well, maybe that maybe that's how she got the, the, the um, spirit. Ghost orb. Ghost orb room that Duckworth, yeah. That's where he came maybe from. Maybe she just did it. She just did it halfway and just got like a kind of a, a non-sentient orb form. Yeah. Um, so Dewey and Louis have been very cute together all episode, but especially I think when Louis starts trying to figure out how exactly he's going to take advantage of having a butler, and Dewey claps his <laughs> hand over his mouth to shut him off because this is a ghost butler with a giant axe. And then we also get a very cute bit where Dewey starts kind of sticking his hand through Duckworth's ghost leg and trying to get Louis' attention to be like, hey look, my hand's going right through, hey look, hey look, and then Duckworth picks him up by the scruff and puts him back down again. I really like Dewey, like, um... <laughs> Be like shutting Louis up and then immediately doing an even stupider and more weird thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just so cute. Dewey uh, <laughs> and Louis are very cute together, uh, kind of trying to entertain each other. It's very, very cute. Um, and I just really like Duckworth getting, ri- getting rid of Dewey by just like picking him up and putting him down like a couple feet away, like exactly like you do with a two year old. Mm-hmm. Um, just like put them slightly away from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Huey apologizes for losing his mind over party planning, and Scrooge is like, the party was fun, because he loves seeing his enemies suffer. And also his butler came back from the dead, which is cool. Um, so he reassures the kids that they weren't in any real danger with Duckworth, which is proved patently untrue when we see that the axe was extremely, extremely real. <laughs> what a joke to Duck- put in this episode with. Duckworth child endangerment moments. Duckworth, like the joke being, ha ha ha! Oh, Duckworth's laughing along. He totally, he totally did. It was totally a ghost axe. They were never, they were never in any danger. And the axe is super, super real. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! And then we kind of end the episode with Webby and Beakley coming back. Uh, Webby uh, hilariously does not bat an eye at Duckworth's ghost and greets him normally, which is kind of the reveal that presumably Duckworth was still alive when Webby lived here. Um, so she kind of knew him before he died, which is a bit sad. Um, but we also get the extremely funny reveal that Duckworth and Beakley hate each other's guts, and she gets I the absolutely chilling line, which is, I preferred it when you were dead. <laughs> I love Beakley and Duckworth so much. There's a moment in uh, a later episode, I think it may be um, uh, Nothing Can Stop Della Duck, maybe? Where Beakley just throws a plate through him for no reason. <laughs> I just, it's so funny. It's so funny that they just despise each other. I think it's literally awesome. Um, oh, it's, it's such so a funny good. dynamic to have. It's such, it's like, and like, like Duckworth is kind of like, oh, Beakley, good to see that you're back after abandoning your post. Like, I hope you don't always keep the mansion in, like, you know, this like shabby estate. Beakley's like, oh, hmm, interesting. You're back. Hmm, I hate this. And she like like walks directly through him. Yeah. It's just so funny. And it's like it when you were dead is such I an insane thing to say. say. It's such a funny way to end the episode. 
Oh, it's so good. I love this dynamic. I love how it persists. Yeah, so yeah, this is a really cute little episode. Like a very fun, like a uh, bottle episode, like we said. Um, another Huey one. Um, but kind of like I like that I like that Huey gets to have like different conflicts that all kind of work in the same schema, which is uh duck autism. Um mm-hmm. just being blunt about it. Um, and it's also interesting that, like, in both of these episodes, he's kind of like, no, I'm right. I don't need to change how I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, uh, the fact that last, that last episode we were saying that Terraformians should have been a horror movie, and now that we do get, like, a little, like, genre pastiche thing where it's like, this is the murder mystery episode. Um, yeah. Very fun. Very cute. I like that, I, I think that Huey episodes are really good for, like, uh, kind of like um genre parody in general um just because of how he works as a character um and it's very funny that that he like fits very well into this one like that he is very um very excited about uh, murder mysteries i think that to go along with louis addiction to period dramas i think that huey is a big agatha christie fan That's he's my, so into uh, poirot he loved, he fucking loves poirot he loves poirot what do you I th- okay do you think that he likes Poirot or Miss Marple more? Hmm. See, this is this is um <laughs> this is the real like fandom like uh like Shit. this is like you the, know the what? heated debate in fandom. I'm gonna be a bit crazy here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that, and I'm just gonna this is uh, this is purposely subverting expectations. I'm gonna say Poirot. I'm gonna say Poirot is Huey's favorite, and Miss Marple is Dewey's favorite. Yes, you're right. You are completely right. <laughs> I was say, I think, I think, um, I I think Dewey kind of in this specific regard is like he pushes away all like the big diamonds and jewels and international politics and drama of Poirot in favor of the village politics of Miss Marple. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that Huey does the opposite, and he like loves all of the. He loves all the like the international intrigue and like he's like oh Hastings and he's having a fantastic time with Burrow. I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a subversion. I like um, that. I think that I think the thing like I think the Poirot really is made for Huey because he loves he loves the part at the end of every Poirot like story where Poirot sits everyone down and says this is what happened. That's his yes. fantasy. He loves um, it. He, uh, I think, the idea of, of, of forcing everybody to sit around and listen to him explain the sequence of events. I think he loves it, and I think he loves. Um, I think he really, really likes. Um, he really, really likes that that layout scene, the parlor scene. He loves that so much. But I think Dewey mm-hmm. really likes in Miss Marple when she makes all these like um, these obscure kind of references to like village things that happened in regards to thing, and she's just knitting or whatever. He's like. <laughs> You are so cool. He's like obsessed <laughs> with that. Um, I think he loves that. Um, I yeah, so good. Uh, I really like the idea that like um, like I really like the idea of Donald having like an Agatha Christie collection, and the boys just like uh read murder mysteries at like at probably too young an age. Yeah, yeah. But, I think um, that's just like their yeah. favorite book because it's like all the books that Donald. Has. I think Donald totally. I think to- Donald is totally an Agatha Christie fan. I think. 
Absolutely. They just they just read his books. That's a really cute idea. It's not what <laughs> this is sort of funny like, ending to the episode where we've like we're not even talking about the actual episode. We're just saying this is what we think is true about these characters. Uh, this this is our episode now. I really really like the idea of um, Dewey and Huey getting really into into Agatha Christie through Donald's um through Donald's uh, book collection. And Louis getting really into Pride and Prejudice through Donald's box set. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Ah, <gasps> oh, it's so perfect. They like they all bond with him over like their own like their own specific series. That's really cute. I like that. Oh, what a good! Oh, I love Ducks. Excellent. I really love Ducktales. This was such a good episode. I really liked it. Um, just really good. Lots of like and lots of really good. Just like little uh like moments of like voice acting um like we mentioned uh dewey's giggle and there's obviously a really like there's like we get like a we get like a, a oh boy from from louis mm-hmm. um margot martindale is always fantastic it's just really good it's really good this is a great episode i really liked it yeah oh this this is a really fun episode this is a really nice mm-hmm. uh, little character episode um, yeah, it's, it's like it is not related the, the in the I also, this has nothing to do with mm-hmm. anything. The entire time I've been looking through the DuckTales IMDb page to see if anybody co-starred on Supernatural. Um, <laughs> we know our friend Paul F. Tompkins, our mutual friend Paul F. Tompkins. Yes. Um, not only was he on a Star Trek series, which I haven't watched, um, he was in Frasier. Really? Yes. When? He was. He was was Steve. That. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very long series. That means nothing to me. (laughs) He was Steve in 2003 in an episode called The Harassed. Um, He was also on Kelsey Grammer's um, sketch show in 2005. So I think. They sort the harass. Hold on. Oh no, I don't. I don't like the 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 description for this episode. (gasps) The station hires financial analyst Julia Wilcox, an abrasive and sharp-tongued woman with no time for anyone. Frazier becomes aroused and makes an advance, leading to her sexual harassment training session for the entire staff. Oh my god! Frazier becomes aroused. (sighs) Frazier, gotta have it. Frasier um, gotta have it. <laughs> uh, I still think um I I still would love if Kelsey Grammer was on was on DuckTales. Um But anyway, anyway, that has nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> sorry for um sorry for forcing you to hear the words uh Frasier's aroused. Um but um yeah, anyway, yeah, so that was a good episode. Anyway, <gasps> this is the kind of review. Oh no. Frasier doesn't get his. Frasier really is a lech. He is absorbed with every pretty face that shows up. He expects adulation, however, but this seldom comes. Part of his airtime is taken, so a woman who is a big-time financial reporter and give money tips to listeners. She is a bitter person, but Frasier feels the need to help her find her way. She's not interested, and as is usually the case, he becomes obsessed. It's sort of a harsh episode. 
sort of a harsh episode. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, have you got anything else to say about the episode? Or um, <laughs> tied to the episode? Um, I <laughs> don't think so. Mm, I think that's about it. Um, that's uh, this is obviously the um, uh, the reveal that that Duckworth has been here the whole time that he was always in the intro um Mm -hmm. which is a very very funny like reveal to everybody who was who was on um Duckworth watch uh to to be like oh no he was actually the scary skull demon from the intro (laughs) very 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 funny reveal um and uh yeah so so Duckworth is around now he's not like a huge character uh, he never really plays much of a part in any episode, but he's like around, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's very fun. Um, hmm. Uh, would you like to take a look at the Scrooge McDuck wiki? Uh, please. <laughs> please. Um, for our third segment today, we're just going to do a little bit of um, clicking around on the Scrooge McDuck wiki, and then a couple of quizzes, which um. Just a fairly uh, low-key third segment. Not We don't really have anything planned. Sorry, I should say I don't really have anything planned. This is my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies to everybody. This is my this is um this is my uh, domain, and uh, uh, so you can blame solely me for um poorly planned out third segments. Just so you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just thought we'd return to the um. The familiar grounds of of our very first episode was it our first episode when we like clicked around for random pages on the Scrooge McDuck wiki? I think we did that on that first episode. Um, yeah. So I thought let's just kind of have a look around. Um, you know what? Well, I clicked on a random page and it's taken me to Soccer Donald Duck. Mm. This is this is Donald Duck. Um, in <laughs> I think this may be. Okay, I was about to say I thought this was going to be like the the like it's a wonderful life, uh, parody thing where it was Donald Duck wishing that like he would never been born or whatever, but no, this is um, in Donald Duck in the Alternate Lives, which I am going to take a peek at. But this is a version of Donald Duck where he became a star soccer player for the Duckburg soccer team, oh. um, which is very interesting. Um, uh, very interesting concept for a character which is just Donald Duck but he's good at soccer <laughs> um <laughs> interesting okay so the the story that this is from is Donald Duck and the Ultimate Lives and it just seems to be he he gets sent he tests out a, an invention of gyros which uh sends Donald's mind into the body of his counterpart in the parallel universe he gets sent to one with a sportsman and then one where he's a rich businessman um but then he realizes that no these lives also suck he can't catch a break Donald Duck uh, seemingly cannot be happy Um, oh my god I love I forgot how much I love the Scrooge McDuck wiki I forgot how like how fantastic this place is I did a random page and got an incredibly racist comic (laughs) (laughs) that is the um, that is the danger I was um, this is the pitfall I was um I was reading a, a Donald Duck comic the other day because I was looking for um, I was looking for Dimwitty appearances in the comics because mm-hmm. obviously we know that he was last sighted in Dangerous Currency, but he has been in in comics here and there before that. And I was looking for one, but um, I couldn't find it just because of like 
uh, the way that like they are numbered on various sites like they're numbered in strange ways so I was looking at like the wrong one but then I got distracted and was like looking at like a Three Caballeros comic and I was like oh this is fun and then this was just like really racist (laughs) (laughs) which is just like the pitfall of reading comics from like the 60s unfortunately yeah but um I've clicked random page and I've been taken to Mr. Duck um (gasps) our old friend Mr. Duck no, this is a different Mr. Duck, believe it or not. Not our old friend. Mr. Duck, known as Sean Duck by some fans. No source on that. Just stated that fact. No source on his One name. fan who wrote this. Is an, is an anthropomorphic duck. Um, the brother of Papudo Duck. I don't know who that is. Um, and thus presumably a duck-pelican hybrid like him. This man married the daughter of Goldie O'Gilt. Together they had a daughter, Dickie Duck. Um... So this is again. This is a character who does not like canonically exist. His existence is implied. <laughs> I love implied existences, <sighs> which is really, really, really funny. Um, the image on this page was made using the like Disney XD character creator app thing that you can use to like make your duck OC. So um, it's not even like like it's it's just like fan art by way of this like a cat like a, a doll maker. Um. And that's all of his information. It's just literally just like he was implied to exist. Uh, he is uh, Diggy Duck's father. Um, oh, and interestingly, I just went to uh, Paputo Duck. Um, he is presumably a relative of Moby Duck. <gasps> Friend and Moby you know Duck. Who Moby, you know who Moby Duck works with? Doomweddy Duck. This would be a really interesting friend. thing to kind of like do like a like a six degrees of separation thing with like ducks like duck characters and see like how <laughs> how connected any character is to like any other character like um the fact that <laughs> the fact that Dimwitty is uh works with Moby Duck who is presumably related to Paputo Duck who is the brother of uh Mr. Duck who is the father of Dicky Duck. <laughs> Lots of interesting kind of family connections going on here. Yeah. Shall we um do you wanna um do some quizzes and um round it off? Yeah, I think we should do that. We can find out what type of bird we would be in DuckTales. Okay. Our our podcast is going to get our pod gonna get a bird. Um yes. so um this is this is another quote head quiz. Um so this is this is interesting. We are we are stuck with a hard question actually right up because the first question is what region do you which do you originate from? Okay, um, shit. Who gets um, priority here? <laughs> do we go Oceania or the EU? Let's go Oceania. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Others describe you as, oh my god, elegant, sophisticated, glamorous, sophisticated, intellectual, caring, fun, crazy, caring. Odd, daring, witty. I'm tempted by odd, daring, witty already. We have to there put is... witty in because we're dim witty. Okay, I'll only read the ones with witty. So there's odd, daring, witty, or down to earth, witty, resourceful. I think we're. we're I think resourceful. we're. I think I was gonna say I think we're daring because we were standing up to the feathery society. I I will say odd, daring. Okay. Um, what do you think about flying? I mean, not with wings. I'm scared of heights, or I love flying. I think flying's pretty good. I think flying's fine. These are like not mutually exclusive things, by the way. You can be scared yeah. of heights and also love being airplane, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you like standing out or fitting into the crowd? And out or fit in? 
We stand out of the crowd. We like to stand out from the crowd. What is your strongest trait? Family-oriented, extrovert, humor, positive, elegant, confident, charming, wisdom, peacemaker, or, and this is what I'm tempted by, seduction. Seduction. (laughs) Do you want to do sexy as fuck? You are active at what part of the day? Early morning, afternoon, or um, Again, this is a tricky question because we are on opposite sides of the world. Do we want to average it out and say afternoon because it's morning for you and night for me? Yeah. <laughs> Where would you locate your nest? Okay, we have long-lasting, ne- long-lasting nest made out of mud, a small flexible underground nest slash tree hole, intricate and elaborate nest, floating nest on water, early nester or on the ground on the ground um, fuck on the it ground. let's get stepped on your fatal flaw is greed pride wrath sloth or lust we're pretty lustful do you think i think i think we would be wrathful mm. we're also quite proud but very um <laughs> we have a lot of fatal flaws. we have a lot we have, we have too much perhaps um Let's let's go for wrath. I think we can get we can get a little. Okay. Oh god. Okay. Which of these words is you the most? The blossom. Exotic. Shallow rivers. Darkness. Summer. Love. Shopping. Carefree. Life. The party. Pure elegance. Adventure. Jewels. Beach. Family ancestry. Or work. Shopping. No. Let's let's do family. Pressed it. Oh, forget. I'm fine. sorry, Rune pressed it. <laughs> okay, we're in yeah. shopping. That's just fine. <laughs> you want to know what type of verb we're going to be in DuckTales? Yes. We're a parrot, just like her. <gasps> awesome. I think we've got one more quiz that we can do that I found. Oh. Which mm-hmm. is, if you were a character, how would the audience perceive you? It's not DuckTales related. <gasps> I want to see what our audience thinks of our podcast. I like that. Let's do it. Okay. Let go of something is the first question. We have to think, we have to come up with a regret here. So, I wish I never did it. I wish I knew how to do it. I wish I could go back. I wish I could tell someone. I wish I'd have lied. And I wish I was still the same. I wish I could tell someone about how cool that podcast was. Yeah. Okay. Think of a secret. When will you tell it? Okay, I think. But what is our secret? The origin of our podcast? Yes, it is. Identity of Dimity Duck? Okay. Hopefully I never will. It'll die with me. <clears throat> Soon. Whenever I'm ready. Whenever I find the words. Or I already have. Hmm. That's hard. I, I kind of want to say it. soon, just because I feel like we'll share it. We'll 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 tell all our secrets whenever we run out of stuff to say. Oh yeah, like, definitely. That sounds that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> you make your favorite person in the world angry. I don't know who this is for our podcast. How does um, your mind react? <laughs> so, do we get upset and reluctantly apologize? Do we get angry back, or do we brush it off and pretend I'm unbothered, but I keep thinking about it? How would you feel if Frank posted publicly that he fucking hates our podcast? I'd get angry back. (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) You go to the thrift store with your friends to dress in random clothes. What is your first outfit choice? Okay, we have to dress our podcast. 
I don't think we can use Dimwitty's, um, act- I don't think there's an option for Dimwitty's actual clothes, which is a wizard hat made out of a dunce cap. <laughs> okay. The most fancy suit I can find. A shiny necklace with a silky dress. A t-shirt with a band I've never heard of and a pair of black overalls. A random dress or fancy outfit that looks way better than I expected. The brightest colored crop top I can find in jeans. A silly neon colored shirt and two big pants. And, hang on, a pastel colored shirt with a pair of shorts and a jacket with embroidered cartoon characters. (gasps) Well... I think we know what it is. If this, if this podcast is not the embodiment of a jacket embroidered with cartoon characters, I okay. don't know what it is. Okay. So for this one, I'm going to need to. I'm going to need to ask you to to close your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're a podcast. You're our podcast. You're Dimwitty Duck. Mm-hmm. Think of something beautiful. Okay. What most closely describes it? Is it a thought? A sight, a wish, a feeling, a person, or a creation? Well, I was I went into Dimwitty's mind space, and I think he spends a lot of time on the ocean. So I was speaking of the ocean. I don't know what the ocean is in relation to any of those fucking things. I guess a sight. Is it a creation? A sight, I guess? I guess it's a sight. Oh. A beautiful stranger tells you they could show you something amazing <gasps> if you trust them. Do you? Yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, who the fuck is this? Um, sometimes other people say the words that we don't know how to. Choose a Dermot Kennedy lyric. Who the fuck is Dermot Kennedy? I'm pretty sure he works in the farm down the road. Well, well, he's Irish. Well, yeah, but like, fucking Dermot? Jesus. Anyway. Okay. And when I'm face to face with death, I'll grab his throat and ask him, how does it hurt? love is not designed for the cynical I found a Mm -hmm. moment to be brave so I let her know Mm -hmm. I've learned that doves and ravens fly the same well that one's about birds it is about birds lights went out, you were fine you kind of struggle not to shine there's a rhyme there um It'll all be better come morning, because when you sleep, I'll build a wall. I think it's either love is not designed for the cynical, because we don't like being cynical on our podcast. We like enjoying, we like enjoying mm-hmm. shows. And mm-hmm. I've learned that ducks and ravens fly the same, because we like birds. Let, let, let's go for the love one. Let's go for love designed for the cynical. Let's be, a little, okay. let's be a, little bit, a little bit indulgent here. Okay. Everyone has a dream. Okay, what's our dream? Well, to be podcast famous, obviously. Okay, it's seen then. Our, the word that reminds us of our dream is seen. We want to be That's seen. exactly true. That is true. Okay. You're in a forest, and there's many types of fruits here that you've never seen. What do you pick? So there's black-coloured berries that smell sort of tart. They're growing out of a bush with thorns. So blackberries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The small pink colored berries with the red center, or the aquamarine colored berries that are round and plump. I think it's. I think. I think we're going blueberries, right? Because yeah, I agree. Blue. Blue. (laughs) Your deepest fear is between you and your audience. Which (gasps) word reminds you of your fear? 
Okay, there's a lot here. Are we okay? I'm picking the ones that I think are most are most are most uh, are most relevant to us. Unloved, <laughs> forgotten, <laughs> unneeded, failure. Um, alone, faithless, loss. Hmm. Aren't are we failure? Failure. Yeah. <sighs> Pick a way to express love. Say it, create it, show it, write it, confront it, or hide it. Um, say it. We say, say it. it. We say it. This is a, this it's, a is po- it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our result is the baby. <laughs> Everyone is absolutely soft for you. There's probably one or two people out there who say you're overrated, but that's probably just because they want to act quirky and push another character onto people. There's probably a shit ton of soft edits of you with that banana clip audio that was really popular last year. Someone out there is running a soft stand Twitter account where they write countless headcanons of you. Also, there's unfor- probably, unfortunately, a handful of 12-year-olds who call you a soft bean, but you win some, you lose some, I guess. Oh my god, can we call our podcast a soft bean? A small bean? <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's probably the best, the best outcome for our podcast. Um... Yeah. Getting woobified. Yes. I think Dinwiddie Duck should be woobified. That's what he deserves. I think we should. Um, so that's I think that's the end of our quizzes. Yeah. We we've a discovered lot a lot about ourselves. Yeah. We've and discovered that we're a soft a baby. And that we're not the ultimate DuckTales 17 fan. We're not. We're 69% the ultimate DuckTales fan. <laughs> um, um, which is a pretty Dewey funny Duck. number. We're Dewey Duck. We Dewey Duck and we are also and we're a parrot. We're a parrot. Yeah. We're Dewey Duck if he was a parrot and a soft bean and he only knew 69% about DuckTales. <laughs> and we I also... Mean, about Dewey, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll probably be able to tell the quizzes you just listened to were not recorded in this session. <laughs> they were. Um... Marty just went under... <laughs> Marty just bur- buried himself under, like, a pile of blankets. <laughs> I just went underground for a little bit there. Apologies, but I'm back now. Um... I went outside in a windstorm. <laughs> uh, I stood out in the field. Um, but uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Dimwitty. Um, we're so happy to um, continue to have you along for the journey. It really is uh, incredible that people like continue to listen to this week by week and that like more people are listening to it. Like the, the the new people are listening to it. I think that's really incredible. Um, uh, it's so genuinely encouraging to me to see see the numbers go up on <laughs> when we get you know new listeners and um, people listening to our episodes. It really really is encouraging. Um, so, it's great. Um, it's amazing. We, um, it's really incredible. It's a uh, very gratifying. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, hope you enjoy this one. Uh, leave us a review on, on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. I don't know exactly know what the format there is. Rec- recommend us to a friend. And uh, next week we will be watching golf. The Missing Links of Morshire, the golf episode. We're going to go see golf. We're going to get to see a Dewey episode right before. It's a Dewey episode. We're going to get a Dewey episode. We're going to get My Little Pony. 
um launchpad oh, launchpad so launchpad's amazing it. sports commentary um we've got a lot <laughs> to look forward to um lots next of week stuff. some great golf um um and then obviously we're also going to be watching new gods on the block in between now and then as the actual new episode that comes out so um, lots of really really fun content to look forward to i think i think that'll be like a i think new gods on the block is going to be a nice like a kind of break from the the high stakes in season three at the moment so um yeah that's exciting Um, that's going to be very fun so we'll see you next week see you next week if you have any information regarding Dimwitty's disappearance or any information that might lead to his capture, let us know at Dear Dimwitty on Twitter or email us at DearDimwitty at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk to us about DuckTales, that's fine too. <laughs>